listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 331. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the YouTube science fiction series, Impulse. And we talked last week, big Ravens game coming up against the Bills. It was a great game. I mean, as I always say to my wife, I don't get as upset if they play poorly and maybe even lose to a team that's at least good. And the Bills certainly are a good team this season. Yeah. Well, just to be able to hear that statement said is um, it's nice. Not haven't had a lot of opportunities to say that recently. But yeah, the Bills were tough. Ravens were just a little bit better. Um, but, uh, you know, the Ravens have just had to play one tough game after another for like, you know, two and a half months now. Yeah. So, you know, for them to do what they're doing and still playing the best teams in the league is uh, it's pretty awesome. Right. And uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. They've got a game that uh, I hope it's not a trap game uh, coming up Thursday. So when it's this releases, yeah, it'll have uh, taken place the night before, but uh, we won't even speak of that. Um, now, you, you know, every week, uh, well, at least the past month, I, I get up here and, and we're in the studio recording and I'm thinking like, darn, I wish I had one of those mints that fred brought us so i finally remembered to bring a couple up in the studio so i just unwrapped my queen wilhelmina i think she's the queen i you know her head is embossed on there they are very tasty i've got my uh city water of rotterdam bottle and finally remembered so if you hear me uh making noises (laughs) with my mouth that's uh i'm sucking on one of those mints so very tasty indeed there you go. All right. Not not getting any money at all from the uh, Wilhelmina Mint Company. <laughs> yeah, now Fred might be, but probably not. But she, anyway, she is no long. Uh, Queen Wilhelmina abdicated in 1948, and I feel like Fred told us that. Oh, okay. Wow, he probably did. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure. Impressed he did. that you remembered. Cool. So, yeah. all right, well, listen, uh, Wayne and I want to welcome two new patrons, Richard Ozer and Dan Carlin. Uh, welcome aboard, guys. Hope you're joining the Facebook group. Uh, Richard's got some feedback that we'll read in the feedback section, but uh, appreciate all our patrons. Did you, you just know, say really Dan helps. Carlin? Yeah. Is one of our. Why, why do yeah. I know that name? He's like a huge podcaster. I don't know if this is the Dan Carlin, but. The Dan Carlin, it's like a huge podcast in name and podcasting. Oh, wow. he has a, his a hardcore history podcast. Oh, right up our alley. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. He releases one like every like four or five months, and they're like five hours long. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm still working my way through Byzantium, and uh, still great, and yeah, I'll. I'll leave it at that. So uh, in terms of what I'm watching, uh, and and I think you are watching as well, his dark materials on HBO. Mm -hmm. I always, I always forget which night the new episode drops. So my wife, who's also really into the show, uh, we got a treat last night because not only did we have last week's episode, but as it turns out, it drops on Monday and we weren't Which getting around what to I it. I tell you almost every single Monday. <laughs> no. So anyway, we got to knock out two episodes, only two to go, but uh, oh, just really great show. And, and, yeah, and yes, so as good. you said, armored bear, even without his armor, he is yeah. freaking cool. 
and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Lee Scoresby, who is probably my second favorite character from the series. Uh, that was, uh, at first, I was a little unsure. He, he, he wasn't exactly what I had in my mind when I read the book for Lee Scoresby, but, I mean, that guy can just flat out act. You know, he is so good. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about him. My wife recognized him right away. Why should I know him? Dude, he freaking wrote Hamilton. Oh, well. Dave. Is that a a play? Oh, Dave, you're killing me. Yes. It was for, probably still is, like the number one play on Broadway for like the last three or four years. Mega hit. Um, That's in New York, right? Yes, probably it's in New York, Dave. Yes. So yeah, uh, the guy playing Lee Scoresby is Lin Manuel Miranda, who everyone else in the world besides you would recognize instantly. Um, he's uh, super talented. He was in. Uh, well, you probably haven't seen Mary Poppins Returns either, but he was really good in that. So no, but I remember you talked about that on the podcast, having seen that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm looking into checking out. Before we move on, just I want to say one thing that I found really interesting as a person reading the book is that they're actually kind of mixing in elements of book two already in this season. So a lot of things we see happening on like the real earth um, or whatever with the, I can't can't remember the the boy's name, but um, so that, that really actually takes place in the second book, but they're sprinkling that in already in, in, uh, which is, is really kind of cool to see that it's just really super well done i mean so faithful to the book uh the characters are so awesome so yeah i'm sorry oh uh, that's okay you're talking about the the boy in the alternate universe that's yeah. somehow going to be key yeah he just got introduced in the episode we just watched the other thing i'm looking into checking out is a facebook watch series called lime town and i'd never heard of it until faith and michael keller were posting in the facebook group that they were getting together for a watch party i don't know what i thought about it i I didn't think it sounded like a genre series but you know i went online finally googled it it stars jessica beal and stanley tucci and it follows a journalist for uh, American Public Radio as she unravels this mystery about the disappearance of over 300 people at a neuroscience research facility in Tennessee. So it really sounds cool. I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to get together for one of their watch parties. But as I've mentioned before, I watched the entire eight episode uh, eight season run of buffy on facebook watch so they don't have a ton of content but but there is some good stuff out there and for me apparently they're short episodes like around 30 minutes which is becoming my uh, <laughs> your attention span my, my length of uh, choice but uh anyway what do you got this week well so i had three choices i did finish the last season of man in the high castle and I also, which I'd been meaning to watch for a long time, finally watched Shazam. And then I also bought and watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, so okay. even though it's not genre, well, it kind of is. I'm going with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because, well, I'm a massive Quentin Tarantino fan. And so, you know, this movie, I, you know, it was, it, it made me think for quite a while afterwards because, 
you know, it takes place in 1969 in Hollywood. And, you know, like in um, August of 1969 was when the Manson family killed uh, Sharon Tate. And then there were you know, obviously a lot of other, quite a few other murders as well. Um, and so it that's kind of like the locus of the movie, uh, you know, and there's like, you know, quote unquote, actual people in it, like Damian Lewis plays Steve McQueen and the, uh, oh my God, Margot Roby plays uh, Sharon Tate. And, uh, you know, it's just like, so people playing actual people from back then. So, you know, I mean, like Quentin Tarantino has never made any bones about his love for everything 60s and 70s, you know. Um, and this very much a kind of a, a love story to, I guess, this, I like people always say like this Hollywood that no longer exists, but, you know, the Hollywood now in 20 years will be the, the Hollywood that no longer exists or, you know, the New York now will be the, in 20, the, you know, like everyone has this nostalgic remembrance of the past and I don't know if it makes it any better or worse than what it is now, it just, but it is. But anyway, the movie was great. It was awesome. Uh, you know, not not even the level of violence we come to expect. If like you're a, a fan of Tarantino because you like the violence films, this film would probably disappoint you and you would think that uh, you were hard done by and watched it. But it's a great movie. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, those guys could, uh, you know, act in a tsunami wearing a parka and still make it uh, pretty impressive. So it was good. Cool. Um, you know, one movie that I, I did happen to see this week, and, and I, I I hate, I'm always saying it to my wife where she's going through Netflix trying to find something to watch. It's like, hey, what about say, this? Hey, let's watch Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's a movie. What, you won't watch movies? Uh, <laughs> you know. But anyway, we did watch this movie called Earthquake Bird starring Alicia Vikander, which uh, a lot really? of guys may know from Ex Machina. Did you watch that? No, but I'm just saying you're passing up Deadpool, which I know is on Netflix, to watch effing Earthquake Bird. I know. Uh, um, I, I don't know what to make of it. I'll just say, you know, watch it at your own risk. It's not bad. It's not great. But she's just wonderful, Lisa Vikander. But anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's get to the series that we're here to talk about which is impulse this is episode two of season one titled state of mind written by showrunner lauren lafranc directed by alex kalaminios who also directed a couple episodes of timeless and also the hundred um what'd you think about this episode just in general i i really liked it yeah it, it was it was good for sure um you know this episode certainly or not well just the series so far you know, they don't waste any downtime. You know, there's very few moments of reflection. There's a lot of action, a lot of stuff happening, um, some good drama. Acting is really good. They have nothing to complain about there. Uh, so far, I, I don't know if it's really knocking my socks off at this point, but it is definitely a super solid show. Like, okay. it checks off pretty much all the boxes. The, the, and what they do have going for it is this kind of, you know, mystery as to what's going on with Henry and the fact that the character of Henry herself is so compelling. And I think, you know, I really had problems with Henry in episode one. I thought they overplayed the troubled youth aspect of her. 
but we see a lot more of her in this one and and uh she or the character really starts to take on um become a more a more well-rounded character i guess i should say yeah and i really like the way her character has been unfolding and and there there's a little mini thread on the facebook group uh, about that that if you're interested you, you know you can check it out there but but as you said we're we're getting more and more information last week the episode was framed by characters that weren't part of the narrative that we really were exploring with Henry and her mom and, and Jenna and, and her father. Today we get something similar, although it's only at the beginning of the episode. And, and you know, we'll talk about that in a second. But one of the things that I love about this episode, again, I, I don't want to say they're going to keep drilling down on this sexual assault that henry has gone through but it really is the trigger it seems for a lot of her issues and i i really like how they approach that tonight because we see the sexual assault in three different versions where the first one she really is doubting herself as if it was her fault which of course it isn't and then at the end we see what really is the ideal scenario, what really should have happened. And, you know, we really haven't talked about the actor that plays Clay, Tanner Stein, but he is just so much more likable. And and you might say, well, duh. When he's, when he's not raping? <laughs> yeah, but he's yeah. just such a just such a nice guy. And, and of course, that's what should happen. Well, but, uh, you know, we still don't know how much this trauma impacts her teleporting at this point. I didn't think this was going to come up till later. So, but since you brought it up, I'll make this comment because see, I, I had like two thoughts about this. One is, is where she instigates the, 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 the sexual whatever stuff. And then in the other one, um, when she starts to say, no, 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 Clay backs up and says, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, as you said, which should have happened. I, I have two, well, like the the nerdy sci-fi guy says, ooh, does this mean we have like multiple universes or something, right? Like maybe there's multiple universes where this whole episode went down differently. That I thought, well, that's what I actually kind of hate when people do that, like on podcasts and everything, when they throw out stupid, unsupported um theories just for the sake of throwing out theories you know like yeah and i don't think that's the case Uh, yeah it's it has a little bit of of support but it's just kind of a a wacky uh out there and i I generally don't really like that i I like just so and i thought well yeah i mean it could be that but i think what it really is is just this kid who's traumatized and she's trying to process this and what is natural when something terrible happens, obviously the person who's the victim of it is going to think of ways it could have happened differently. And I think it's just what's happening here is she's just, what could have happened? You know, what ways this could have shook out that wouldn't leave her traumatized like she is. And I think that's only natural part of the, of trying to process uh, something that, you know, terrible happening to you like that. Right. I agree with you completely. And and again, we're still just seeing the genesis of how that ties into her teleporting abilities, if it does at all. I mean, it seems as if 
it, it's predicated on trauma. But again, one of the other things we see in this episode, and we speculated about it last week, is that some teleporters at least can take non-teleporters with them. And whether all teleporters can do that, we, we don't know at this point. But, you know, we see it in the first episode. We see it in this episode. So, uh, you know, we get a little bit of a reveal there. Is there some sort of teleportation hierarchy? And why is this French guy apparently trying to bring it down? Um, you know, we'll talk more. And, and you know, you said a, a second ago you didn't know I was going to get to this this early after last week, I, I really think the way to go here is chronological. So, so that that's the way I'm planning to proceed. As we, well, we've already screwed that up. Well, that's okay. You know, I'm just throwing <laughs> some of these these main ideas out there, and then we'll yeah. get into them in, in more in depth. Uh, Bill Boone does not suspect Henry in Clay's accident at this point, and certainly that's something we're speculating about. And I'm sure, as she's standing on the street at night, it's, okay, you're talking about checking all the boxes. All right, let's check all the boxes that Henry's yeah. doing wrong. Okay, yeah. Uh, teenage girl alone on the street, check. Teenage yeah. girl alone on the street at night, check. Yeah. Gets into the car with, yeah, okay. So anyway, with creepy, uh, intimidating uh bullying stranger check check right. check right and then when we see that scene unfold it doesn't necessarily play out the way we think it's going to play out uh, the other thing is again how can you not love towns who now seems to be into helping henry with this superhero thing and you know some of the details associated with that are just priceless so so that's cool the relationship of jenna and henry continues and again there's the one classic line from henry i liked it better when we weren't talking to each other (laughs) which was uh great and then we get introduced to bill boone's drug business with the mennonites i mean we we knew in episode one that he was involved with some sort of a drug operation but now we know it's with uh uh, the mennonites so. so would you you hear yourself saying that do you find it strange that you're saying his drug business with the Mennonites. Uh, I do. I, yeah. I do. And and I wish I'd looked that actor's name up because he's been in a ton of stuff. He, actually, he's in The Expanse, or unless he got killed off already in The Expanse, right? The guy that plays the leader of the... Uh, uh, oh, actually, we don't talk to him, and I don't think we see him in this episode, so that, that's not okay. a big deal. That's, that's well, not a huge spoiler. So what I did look up, though, because... What I thought about, I'm like, wait, did he just say he's into drugs with the Mennonites? I'm like, really? And I looked it up, and that is totally a thing. Yeah. Oh, it is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like these Mennonites from Canada, I guess in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, Mexico offered them like land and lax child labor restrictions that a bunch of Mennonites moved from Canada to Mexico. So I guess the community, there's these connections there already, and then a lot of them moved back and I guess, you know, kind of got into the drug biz with the Mexicans. And so, yeah, the wow. Mex- the uh, Mennonite Mafia, the Canadian, again, three words you'd never thought went together. Canadian Mennonite Mafia is definitely a thing. 
Yeah. I mean, we talk about the Canadian acting mafia where <laughs> they all right. seem to be in, in all right. the shows. But That's not uh, quite as shocking. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, let's take a look at the opening scene because sci-fi fans instantly recognize Callum Keith Rennie. I don't know. I think that before we, that, we recognize here Kanagawa. Well, yeah. Who's like the... the this is everything. Yeah, the somewhat evil scientist. He's always some sort of a doctor yeah. in, in whatever yeah, show he plays. Yeah, he's always a doctor. And and he is in this one, too, isn't he? He is for a short time, anyway. Very short time. Uh, but Callum Keith Rennie, I don't know if yes. we learn his character's name in this episode. I'm going to throw it out there, anyway. It's Nikolai. Okay. But uh, they're in a karaoke bar, and it, 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 we think he's there to protect this scientist that appears to have something to do with experimentation on those with teleporting abilities. And of course we, we piece that together because the French guy that we saw last week takes the doc to the roof for whatever reason, grabs him and goes over the side, sending the doctor to his death, which was pretty graphically done. And as many times as I've seen it, it's one of those things that's really hard to look at, but it's also hard to not look at, you know? Yeah. You <laughs> like, never, like, I don't think I've ever seen a camera keep on someone who had jumped or was thrown off a roof all the way to the splat. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear the but splat. They did. Yeah. Uh, but we also see that the teleporter teleports away before he hits the ground. So clearly, you know, we've been talking about control last week so that this guy certainly has control. There's some sort of a disruptor device. Yeah, that, that's what I'm uh, saying. He's got limited control because Nikolai, yes. that's his name, Nikolai? Yeah. You know, he's obviously has some method of control over over the traveler guy. Right, right. And, and this French guy mentions that he's been experimented on since he was a kid, which of course then makes us think about Henry and the fact that there doesn't seem to be anybody watching henry and aware of her teleporting abilities but uh, she's just experimenting on herself right at this point (laughs) but then we see the french guy arrive home gathers his wife and son and this is certainly we learn that he can take others with him when he teleports he's clearly done it before because his son sees it as a game with which he's familiar and his wife again we don't know how long this has been going on with them, but it doesn't seem to surprise her at all. Yeah. Well, you think, yeah, again, the family seems pretty used to this drill. The kid doesn't like have a go bag though. You know, he said like Xbox in or something like that. You're like, hold on dad. Wait a sec. (laughs) So, yeah. So however, the father has prepped his son and, and his wife, but, but as you said, particularly his son, because of the age at which the boy is, the kid doesn't think about that kind of stuff. So, uh, so let's go ahead and, as I said, we'll look at things oh, chronologically. All kids go ahead. think about that kind of stuff, dude. Well, uh, you I, know, I know right after do. he teleports, he's like, "Dad, did you get my video games this time." Well, but then Dad must have bribed him with something, or you know, <laughs> any anyway. So Jenna arrives home to find Henry standing at the st- top of the stairs, having just teleported from Lucas's trunk and both of them and it's such a great scene because they both have no freaking idea 
what just happened and can't explain it. And it's almost like we just won't talk about it. And, you know, on the one hand, you know, I get avoidance as an approach to things that that I don't understand because I, I I used that through high school quite a bit, especially uh, with upper level <laughs> math courses. But uh, you know, in, in this well, case, see, I, I avoided upper level math courses. So that's, well, that's the level I took my avoidance game to. Yeah, well, you were smarter <laughs> than I. Uh, and then, not to go too far off, my father's like, "Well, when you have me here to help you, there's no excuse." I'm like. You know, that's precisely why I don't want to. Anyway, (laughs) we digress. (laughs) So we have questions about Bill Boone. And, you know, we already threw out a few of the details that that we'll be talking about during the course of the podcast. He finds Lucas examining the Mustang's trunk. And he begins his explanation, Lucas, that is. And his father cuts him off. You put a girl in your trunk? Yeah. And. I think that says a lot about Bill Boone, despite the negatives. And I mean, certainly this is a man to be feared, somewhat of a tyrant, at least with his sons. And we've certainly got the idea that in this town, you don't cross Bill Boone. But, you know, I mean, so far, he just wanted Henry to help him. Okay, arguably to get revenge for his son's accident, but right. he, he means well, and, no harm to Henry. And he, he pressures her into identifying one of those guys. That I, I am loath to call him an innocent person, but he's innocent of you know hurting Clay. He didn't do anything like that. So Right. He, and she tells him, I, I don't know. I don't remember. You know, uh, He pressures her into just pointing a finger at someone. Well, of course – Ultimately, she's going to be so scared for her own safety that she's going to point out someone else. The episode, I know, tries to you know make Bill look like he's not so bad, but he is so bad. Like, he's awful. He is a horrible, horrible person. Just because he, he, he doesn't – the only thing is he's clueless and he doesn't suspect at all Henry outside of, well, they were – just having sex and oh I, I get why you want that you know don't want that to get out and which is almost worse because he's dredging up again that memory uh unwittingly of course but you know he's doing it all the same so if he actually knew or even suspected uh of what actually shook out in that car there's no way he would be so kind to henry well no of course not and and i think he even says smoking dope and having sex as if yeah you know it's just you know kids being kids whatever but yeah as you said if he finds out henry's involvement but then we go back to the criticism and and i understand the criticism of her character and the way she treats other people that she doesn't seem to be a very nice person but when you look at her backstory as we learn more and more about what's happened to her before she discovers this teleporting stuff that now as you said she's terrified sitting in in bill boone's actually it's her car that's the, you right. know when he drives up on the street but um she's terrified and she's already put his son in the hospital and now she's a smart young woman she understands what she's gotten herself into and now it's possibly 
somebody else is going to get hurt because of her. And it's really not her fault. None of it's her fault. Yes and no. Uh, And again, no way am I saying that the sexual assault is her fault. But again, she's in a situation because of her pretty shitty choices, right? Um, She wants to go out and spray paint shit. She gets caught. Her car gets taken. And she decides to, instead of just letting it go, that she goes and gets her car. And not only that, she ropes in Clay in the scheme to get her car. Now, obviously, Clay way over the line with what happened after that. But, you know, part of it is, like, her, you know, know, what I criticized her for last um, episode, which, again, I saw way more last episode than this one, is her inability to accept consequences, you know? But I think now she's obviously almost like like the one thing with like handing out the consequences of Mr. Gibson, who was a person who clearly thought he was going to get by without experiencing any consequences for for his actions. But, you know, she sees that, you know, she kind of turns that around on him. She wants, she says she hopes Clay dies, right? Yeah. Because if he doesn't die, then again, she's going to have to face consequences. I, I would suspect that, uh, that Clay might, think twice about telling people what actually happened in that car well and does he even know how can he explain what happened in the car look she can't explain and when i said it's not her fault uh, you know we're, we're past the sexual assault we we of course know that's not her fault the imploding of the car as a result right. of you know her intense fear and and these abilities that not only does she not know she has but she clearly doesn't know how to control that that's all i meant yeah okay and like all right and like you said what's clay gonna say yeah you know i I was trying to rape this girl and suddenly you know she used telekinesis to disappeared yeah yeah um well if we've got two actors with orphan black connections we might as well bring in a third (laughs) so Her mom takes Henry to a neurologist who turns out to be Kevin Hatchard, who played Art in, in Orphan Black, the, the detective. We don't nitpick too often lately. I think we, ha- we had our nitpick stage. I don't even remember which show. But the mother works as a waitress in a diner. Thomas apparently manages a bowling alley. Uh, how does she find money to go to a neurologist? But, you know. Maybe uh, the bowling alley has really good uh, health plan, I guess. I guess. But, you know, he, he asks about triggers and, and you know, he, he seems to be asking the right questions, gives her medication, which, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, Henry's pot smoking proclivity, she's probably not that opposed to taking pills. But but <laughs> right. again, you never you never know. But I, I think it's one of these things that why would she not want her seizures to be under control? Uh, of course she does. So yeah. you know, we know she's going to be willing to try whatever medication he suggests. You know, her, the mother mentioning to her, you know, this town's not so bad, right? You know, as if to convince Henry, who who clearly is not so convinced yet about this town, and, and certainly what's happened in it so far is, you know, not earning any points in... Uh, you know, getting her to want to stay. Yeah. But, yeah. 
But but Thomas, uh, Jenna's dad, you know, we're, we're still trying to figure out, is this guy a good guy? Because clearly her mother's made a lot of bad choices with men in the past. So far, Thomas does seem to be a good guy. And he tells her that Deputy Holtche paid him a visit. And by the way, I also ditched those car parts I found in the closet and doesn't chastise her, doesn't want to know. All he wants to know is, are you okay? Were you hurt? Because he just assumes it was a regular car accident. But again, just to reinforce something we're, we're figuring out, don't underestimate Bill Boone's power in this town. And, and he knows you know, Henry's uh, 16 or 17, uh, whether she knows at this point is probably debatable. Um, yeah. It, it, well, first of all, yeah. Like mom saying this town isn't so bad. That's your classic. It's almost like a trope of the clueless parent saying something like that. That's completely the opposite of what the, the kid actually feels. Right. Right. Um, and, and the parent knows that they're the one responsible for the kid feeling like this in this strange town. Right. Right. Um, Thomas, he actually, I guess, seems okay. You know, like, and if we kind of go by default, we say, well, Jenna is definitely okay. Her mom sounded like she was really nice. So I assume that Thomas is not an a-hole because, you know, like he's, his daughter is, is great. And, and probably he had a, really nice wife who who was in love with him and he loved and everything so um he's not afraid to uh to throw the plumber's crack out there in the world i mean i'm sure he's <laughs> yeah. i'm sure he felt the breeze back there but he didn't think to hike up his pants before he leaned over and you know i i you know i think that uh henry looks a little too inappropriately long at that too you know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's all about, but um. well, I'm just glad they're they're not going there at least at this point. That he's going to be some kind of you know lecher because, as you said, I, I think he seems like a good guy, and and clearly he's raised a great daughter uh, along with the mother who's been dead. I think uh, three years. I think they say at this point. And Jenna once again suggests that Henry talk to her mom or, or somebody about the sexual assault. I mean, certainly the two of them can talk about it, but Jenna is certainly caring enough and smart enough to know that, you know, I'm not really qualified to help you in the way you need to be helped. So, so I really do like that. And, and, and again, the, the relationship that they've got going on there, but, you know, you mentioned about choices that Henry makes, and, and, and I agree with you. You know, so far, she hasn't really had too many consequences for some arguably bad choices. She decides to return her car to Bill Boone's lot <laughs> and then goes inside to replace the key in the paperwork. And that's when she sees Bill having sex with uh, Iris, who works at the same diner as her mom, Cleo. And then I love the fact that, you know, she, she gets out of there the old-fashioned way, right? No teleporting, apparently. Just right. sneaks out. and uh, Yeah, know. I thought, like, so, I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I really do attempt to keep the nitpicking at a minimum. But really, there's just a door open to the, that she can get into the office there. Like, seriously, 
Yeah. And then she's in. You think like she would just put the key down someone's desk and jet out of there. But, you know, she has to put it, you know, into the file cabinet. And, of course, she's not going to leave when people are having sex. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So. Right. Right. But, um, uh, yeah. Right. And, and and then after that, we see her, you know, she's back home lying in bed. And that's when she flashes back to the scene with Clay. But she remembers it in a different way, seeing herself as the aggressor, which is, of course, not what happened. But but as you said earlier, it's natural to think back. Did I do something to give him the wrong idea and again we don't have to keep belaboring this of course not but this is the first time she has that but then she returns to school and it's like this new henry you see her walking down the hall and and look we don't know who she knows she hasn't been in town all that long but she's smiling at people and and half of them are looking at her like what you you know (laughs) she complicates that compliments that girl in her t-shirt which I mean, clearly there was nothing special about that T-shirt. And the girl has some snarky uh, comment. And then in class, there she is raising her hand, participating. So what's that a result of? I mean, is it just that she realizes she's got to get her life in order? I mean, based on what? Yeah, I thought part of it might be the, the medicine is, you know, kind of maybe setting her right a little bit or... You know, maybe the fact that, you know, she is able to get the car back and she feels like that weight, that burden of getting caught for whatever happened to Clay is is not going to be a thing anymore. Um, I don't know. But I, I love those scenes where they, you know, like it, a lot of times they do with like, you know, school scenes and the kid like has a new attitude. and They just start going to school, like clicking their fingers at people like, hey, buddy. You know, and then the other people just like, what the hell? <laughs> well, and, and the interesting thing here is also that she has been a self-imposed loner. So now it, it seems as if she's turning over a, a new leaf. And I, I, I don't know. Have you ever been in the cafeteria at school? I mean, other than for meetings, because I know you bring your lunch <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah, I actually got food from there one time. Okay. I'd forgotten my uh, my lunch, and so, and then a couple times um, when I was like a class advisor, I would have to go in there. It's not a place I naturally would want to uh, to go to, though. Right, but it's a great scene, and, and look, we've experienced it on the first day of class. Say when when the kids all come in and they're all excited, and all the friends want to sit together, and, and you see the kid that doesn't know anybody, and can't figure out where to sit and and that's what happens with henry when she goes into the cafeteria and and it really drives home the point that she really doesn't have any friends other than jenna right towns it also drives home like how this is like this scene have you ever seen mean girls i have yeah yeah like the cafeteria scene in mean girls oh yeah that's the best it's so funny yeah Um, so now i can't see a cafeteria scene like that without thinking about that movie. Right. Well, Towns comes in and, and of course, Henry's sitting alone and he's worried that we need to get our story straight. Of course, Henry's thinking like, wait a minute, what do you know? I, I Even Jenna barely knows what happened, but he's talking about the event. 
<laughs> I love it you know, because it's what happened in class because he, he still sees her ability as telekinesis and approaches her in typical superhero mindset. I would never reveal your powers to the government or any other military agency. And, and certainly every superhero goes through a period of doubt before accepting their powers. And, and, and of course, this is like every superhero comic and series in history, right? Sure. You need the, the plucky sidekick. Yeah. Well, and then his classic line at the end, I think we need, though, to determine whether you're a superhero or a supervillain. And it, it, it seems could to go catch either way. Her, right. And it could catch her. It catches her off guard. And, and again, he's just, oh, he's great. Yeah. And it, it really is one of those questions that every superhero faces. Do you use your power for good or for evil? And of course, if we didn't have some using it for evil, there'd be nothing for the good guys to actually do on a day-to-day basis. So, Right. And that that's actually when we go to the, um, the French guy in the first scene, like, I guess our sympathies naturally go with him because he's, you know, we we see he has, like, the same ability that Henry has. So, you know, they're probably alike. So, you know, I just feel like we're kind of, like, assume he's the good guy and that Nikolai is the bad guy, but that is not necessarily the case. Right. We just don't have enough information yet, but we do know whatever the French guy has been subjected to, it, it affects him enough that he's willing to kill this doctor. Sure. You know, over. So, uh, well, we, we talked earlier about Bill, you know, stopping Henry on the street, driving out to the, the Mennonite farm out in the middle of nowhere we get that little scene with Thomas and Cleo who's really worried about Henry. And and while she doesn't mention money, uh, we know that's got to be in the back of her mind. And, and Thomas tells her whatever she needs, we'll take care of it. She's in good hands. And then of course it cuts to Henry with Bill Boone in the car. And we're sitting there thinking like, well, we hope she's in good hands. That remains to be seen at this point. She's definitely but, not in good hands. That 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 much is for sure. He just at this point he doesn't know enough to to be evil to her, right? But you know, during the course of you know this this incident out at the Mennonite farm, you know, he says, and, and we we know this is what he's thinking, but he verbalizes it. One of these men put him in the hospital. My boy didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, he kind of did. And that's what got right. him in the hospital. Well, I mean, and, that is especially, I mean, you know, it's funny how the, the shifting in, in parenting has, has gone. I know when I was a kid and probably, you know, when you were a kid as well, my parents would say, you know, my kid didn't do anything right. <laughs> like, like they, they would never side with the kid over any kind of authority figure. You know, like if a teacher said you did something, you did it, you know, they rarely would they, they, you know, take your side of it unless it was really bad. But now, like, you know, the prevailing wind is, you know, my kid can do no wrong. My kid never lies. My kid never cheats. My kid would never do that. And, uh, you know. Right. Well, it's funny. 
you don't know what your kid would or won't do, you know, because about 90% of what your kid thinks and does is unbeknownst to you completely. Yeah. Well, I'm a member of a Facebook group for the area in which I grew up, you know, some of the, the neighborhoods. So it's mostly kids that went to either Atholton or Howard at the time, which because there weren't very many high schools in the county back then. But somebody brought up teachers that used to paddle you back in middle school or uh, even in high school and everybody's oh yeah i remember mr so-and-so with his board of education and pretty much we all you know of my generation thought you know what i welcomed it because if i got home and my parents found out about what i'd done i'd get it again you know i mean maybe not a paddle but i'd get right. in trouble so it's like the paddle was a welcome option is the way i put it when i posted <laughs> uh, and then of course he's like yeah if anybody hit my kid uh they do okay well you know your kid might be happy to take that option but not anymore so yeah um so henry gets back from her trip with bill and, and she really verbally blasts jenna and i love jenna's reaction I'm not leaving. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> We're thinking like, whatever you what? want to do, let's do. So Little did of course, she know what Henry <laughs> wants to do most of the time is to smoke pot. Right. And it's just really a nice scene. They're, they're teasing each other. Their, their bonding is getting stronger. And she opens up about the fact that Henry's room used to be her mom's workshop where she sewed and not anything like you shouldn't be in here. Nothing like that. Just really just relating things that, that really still emotionally affect me and and that regret of never learning how to sew when her mom, you know, presented some opportunities. And again, we understand that. I mean, kids don't always want to be with their parents and, and, and things like that, but her message that she continues to send to henry is you can't let clay get away with this now he's in the hospital we're not sure exactly what she's going to do but we understand the dilemma if i'm going to press charges or whatever i'm gonna have to be able to explain the truck yeah and we already know that they found no paint from the other vehicle and i'm making air quotes for other vehicles so it's not really easy you know on the one hand i understand jenna saying that but on the other hand the reality is i don't know i don't know what she could say that's gonna help her cause you know right well and and that's the the conundrum that henry's in and she has to take on she like you know jenna says tell your mom What's she going to tell her? Like, if she tells her mom she was sexually assaulted, her mom's going to say, well, you got to go to the police. And then, well, then that just opens up the whole can of worms you just talked about. Like, she's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And it's funny because when they were talking to the the, the neurologist, and he explained it as, well, you're just kind of like blacking out. And this is happens off, you know, this is not an uncommon thing. And you see her like kind of smile like, oh, well, that's all it is. Oh, Okay. That's cool, right? That's no big deal. But, you know, if she really thought about it, she'd think, well, well wait a second. I, I still got home before Jenna did when I was in the Lucas's trunk, you know. So there's no way I could have just blacked out 
and right. like walked home or something, you know. So, right. you know, like logically that just doesn't work. But you, you just see she's grasping at any straw she can to, to you know, make this seem like it's something normal. Right, because teleportation is, is not yet on the table as a realistic possibility. So, um and then we get the scene. I know you had to love the the scene in the principal's office with Mr. Gibson and the principal and and Henry. Like who's the who's the Mr. Gibson at our school? You know the the person that has this false yeah. self. Okay, I'm just kidding. Don't name anybody. But but I have a couple yeah. ideas. But yeah, I'm like, <laughs> but you know it it does show something about a side of Henry that i mean it certainly comes out in that classroom scene the event but as he tells the principal he bullied a kid with autism that doesn't know how to defend himself and that succinctly explains the issue and it really catches the principal off guard and she says i'll handle this you can go so what's going to happen as you said last week in reality at least in our world that guy'd already be. Uh, you know, oh, that guy would be. He'd be flipping in the burgers at McDonald's. Done. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be so yeah. done. Um, yeah. And and I know I, I jokingly said at, at our school the lawyers would be there before the buses, but I think at any school, like I mean, his behavior was atrocious, and yes. he laid hands on the girl who then had a seizure. That in and of itself is definitely going to get you fired. You right. Know, no uh, but, question about it. So right, that's like the, again, I try not to nitpick, but you know, you gotta. Well, well, I agree if the kid goes home and tells her mother that, A, I had a seizure in school, and B, the teacher grabbed me by the arm and took me out, because we know she doesn't really want to let her mother know she had a seizure again, and the the grabbing her by the arm, I mean, it, obviously, she doesn't tell her mother, so it, it doesn't become an issue here, but that closing scene when they're at school and Jenna tells Henry that Clay woke up and they're in the girl's bathroom and we just see the throes of this increasing panic attack and the mirrors and the walls begin to shake and implode and she tells Jenna to run and I'm glad she does. Yeah. Because at this point, I think Henry knows what's going to happen to her. And, and of course it does. She teleports to her bedroom glass and all. And it's just heartbreaking because she's so distraught because she just doesn't know what's happening. And this helplessness from Henry is not something we're used to really seeing. And then, you know, that's when she flashes back to Clay's truck. And I th- yeah, you're, you're right. The, in this episode, we only see the two scenes, I, I the third scene we, we, we experience, so we know what that is. And that this time it's what should have happened, where, where Clay respects her wish to stop. And, you know, he's a totally nice guy about it. So uh, so hopefully, you know, she's not carrying around this guilt that somehow, you know, she did anything wrong. But Yeah, I, I, well, I don't think it, it's, it's guilt so much. I think, well, and, and if she did feel like she did something wrong, I think that also would be kind of a natural part of the process of getting through this like like we said i think she's just trying to work through this and she doesn't really have the option of talking to anyone except for jenna and as you said jenna told her herself that 
you know, she's limited in how she can actually help. You know, she's she's just going at it alone and, and trying to to work through it. And on top of this, this 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 stuff that keeps happening to her that she just she doesn't understand why or what it is or you know or anything. It's just for already she's a teenager, so her brain is you know going ten thousand directions at once anyway. So it's just like a lot of stuff for one kid to kind of deal with. Yeah, there's no question. And I, 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 I don't even want to say this because I know how it will sound coming out of my mouth. But when we look at what she's dealing with, the sexual assault and the teleportation, I'm not sure which one's more difficult to deal with because right. on the one hand, a sexual assault, horrific as it is, at least you can explain. At least it's it's real. Right. The teleportation. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, we don't see Henry watching TV. We don't even know if they have a TV in their house. Of course, that doesn't matter because kids primarily watch TV yeah. or whatever on their laptops anyway. And we know she has a laptop. So I I don't know. Again, I don't know what she's thinking. So um, anything else you want to bring up before we get to the feedback? Yeah, it's just one thing with like you know Clay waking up. Like I don't think she's really feeling guilt so much as she obviously fears you know what will happen, uh, what he's going to say when he wakes up. That's why she pretty callously said, "Well, I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't call it callous because the guy did try assault her." Um, but that she wants him to die, you know, and again, because she's really, really worried about what he's going to say. And, and, but like, like, yeah, I think if she kind of logically thinks through this, like we said before, what, what on earth could he say? You know, there's just no way he could say anything that people wouldn't say that that's just, he, you know, his, his messed up head from the accident talking, you know. Yeah. Well, he, I, again, I shouldn't have used the word guilt. You're, you're right. That's really not accurate. I, but I just think. And no, no, but I, I, no I, don't think, I don't think it's inaccurate, though. Like I said, I think she does feel some degree of guilt with it as well. I, I'm sure that I think we see that as well. Well, I just really mean questioning her signals, if you will, leading up to you know, him, him assaulting her. But yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it there. All right. Anything else? Just a couple of things. We failed to mention about Callum Keith Rennie. Um, he was in Man in the High Castle. Right. Uh, he was also in Goon 2, Last of the Enforcers. Okay. Never and saw And most it. importantly, he was in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I forget what number he was, but one of the Cylons. He was Leo Ben Canoy. Con- 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 right. But yeah. So. Right, well, yeah, cool. He, he's one of the Cylons. So another guy. Like, So it's funny because they have him and Hiro Kanagawa, and between the two of them, they've probably been in every single science fiction series created since 1990. Yeah. I, I, you know, the only other person I think that could possibly compete would be Roger Cross. Right. So. Yeah, good point. Anyway. Okay. All right, what else? Um, I think that's it. 
All right. Well, why don't we shift over to the feedback? And we've got two pieces of feedback this week. We, oh, oh wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One thing. I, I oh, you always do that. Huh. I know because I just kind of go <laughs> through my notes. <laughs> Who's in the, the like Henry's mocks Jenna for eating soup? Is that? I don't know. I just saw that. You're gonna now. You're gonna be really pissed. That's all I have to say. It's so <laughs> stupid. I just. I really love soup. <laughs> <laughs> so when she was just like soup who eats soup i'm like what are you talking about soup is awesome i have soup all the time come on so i'm sorry I interrupted you i know those now that i've said it it's really dumb okay that's okay we'll let it go <laughs> all right well listen we've we've got more than just fred's audio feedback this week so we heard from our new patron richard ozer who says i discovered your podcast when i got nostalgic for firefly and looked for a podcast that discussed that series i stayed with you guys to get recommendations on genre series to watch and on your recommendation i dived into jonathan strange and mr norrell and enjoyed it greatly i never would have watched without becoming intrigued through your reviews well appreciate that when I watch a good show, I always want to talk to someone about it, but the days of talking about TV shows over the water cooler at work yeah. are gone. And, you know, and, and uh, it's, I don't want to say it's a, a bygone era that's not likely to return, but it's not likely to return. Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because just even the other day in class, we were talking about um, romanticism and poetry and, and I was, I said, you know, what's a show that you see a lot of romantic elements? I'm like, hey, his dark materials on HBO. And all the kids are looking at me like, uh-huh. I'm like, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? You guys are, somebody, someone in here is watching and, and not one person. And I'm like, seriously? So it's just, yeah, it's like crazy. Even HBO can't have like a major, uh, I mean, like I remember days, even like not too long ago, kids would come in. And on Monday morning, and they're talking about The Walking Dead. I'm like, hey, stop, stop. I haven't seen it yet, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, those days are completely gone. Like, no one watched. You know, Game of Thrones might have been the last great hurrah for something that, like, everyone was watching at the yeah, same just, time. Just ask them about Grey's Anatomy. So. Yeah. Uh, the next best thing is listening to you two analyze a show. After hearing your reviews, I watched Dollhouse and came away with mixed feelings. It had some good ideas and very pretty people, but there were so many improbabilities that it kept breaking my suspension of disbelief, and that's fatal to a genre story. Would people really agree to turn over their bodies for five years to be raped and shot at repeatedly? And what did the dollhouse say to the relatives of dolls who got killed or maimed? And, you know, I think we talked about that at the time. I mean, if we didn't... um, you wonder what they were actually told about what was going to happen to them because we get that scene where Caroline is signing, you know, her five-year commitment uh, and she doesn't seem all that distressed. She seems more pissed than anything. So we don't really know what they're told about what it is they're going to do. And then the second part about the relatives who get killed or maimed, I always got the impression that they went after people that didn't have any family. So, you know, maybe I'm well, misremembering, but. Um, I I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while since we talked about it, obviously. But, um, you know, it, it seemed like, yeah, that they went after people who, 
like wouldn't necessarily be missed, you know. Right, exactly. Right. But I mean, the criticism is is totally valid, though. Um, I just never really asked that question. Yeah, you know, we just kind of accepted. Oh, okay. Well, people signed over the yeah. You we know, you know with Caroline, you know, did it for like you know a higher reason or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah. you know, yeah, she didn't want to go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so you know, I mean. Yeah, it was just a question we, we kind of asked. I'm sure we, we talked about it, but, you know, we just kind of, um, our, I guess our suspension of disbelief levels are pretty high. <laughs> we're, willing, we're willing to take a lot. <laughs> so, all right, he goes on to say, in the future, I'm going to try out the librarians, but for some reason, yes. I'm hesitant to try dark. It feels like a what? big commitment, and I won't be happy at the end. On the other hand, it's only three seasons. Well, at this point, it's only two seasons, Richard. So I don't think you'll be disappointed. And I'm sure Wayne agrees with me. It's, it's well worth yeah. the investment. Yeah, and it's, it's not much of an investment. There's only, what, 18 I episodes, think, right? Yeah, right. Yep. So, so. It's, you, could, you could knock that out in the weekend. Well, maybe a couple weekends, but still. Uh, so I enjoy your podcast and I'm heading over to Patreon after this email to help support it. Keep up the good work. So Richard, thanks for the feedback and, and hopefully you'll you know send in some each week. That'd be, that would be great. And, and of course, thank you for becoming a patron. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred has to say this week and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all other listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewards. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Impulse Season 1, Episode 2. Intriguing episode. What is a little disturbing, I think, is the two storylines. You have the storyline of the French guy and Henry's story. And they are not connected at all, apart from having the same ability the only thing the French guy's story does for Henry is that give us as an audience the expectation that there will be a time that Henry can control this ability. And now she is mainly disturbed by its randomness and, well, not randomness, but not under control having this spatial shift ability. Of course, we can expect that the two stories will intertwine somehow later in the series. But for now, it's a little bit too apart from each other. The confidence in his ability must be very great in this French guy. Jumping down a roof and then shift during falling down. What creeped me out, of course, is that Henry did get in the car with Bill Boone. So creepy, this guy and his sons. I fully expected that Henry would get in a situation with this Bill Boone that she had to teleport, but that all didn't happen. He nicely brought her back. I have a lot of respect for Jenna, Henry's stepsister, and actually for Jenna's father, because he shows that he is on Henry's side, a thing I didn't see really coming. In the way Henry treats Jenna in the beginning, I really have a lot of respect for her endurance and patience with Henry. Love to see another Orphan Black actor again. So after Christian Brune, who is the teacher, Sheldon Gibson, we saw in the last episode and we see him again here. 
And the scene with him and Henry at the principal's office was, of course, terrific and shows Henry's intelligence and a little bit her deviousness. But we also see in this episode Kevin Hanshard, who is art in Orphan Black, the policeman, and he is Dr. Jack Wakeley here. I wondered why there are so many Canadian actors in this, as well Danielle Maslany, who plays Towns Linderman, Henry's autistic classmate. Talking about autism, I thought what Henry did there in the principal's office was marvelous and giving this teacher a hard time on what he did to Towns. It is a US YouTube production. I checked on IMDb. But if you look at the location, it's mainly filmed in Ontario, Canada. So that probably explains the Canadian actors. I wonder if we will see more people who are able to do this spatial shifting and what the real background will be of the story of the Frenchman. It's clear that his wife knows what is happening and he even prepared his son for a emergency evacuation and they did, but where they landed up we didn't see. And that was a little bit abrupt that they just disappeared and we didn't get anything back in this episode. So I wonder if in the next episode the portion of the Frenchman's story will be larger. But I don't think so, because, well, Henry and her situation is the main storyline, of course. We really have to wait for that these two storylines somehow get intertwined. That was all for now. Greetings. Till the next time. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Well, you know, he he brings up a lot of the things that we talked about, but but the French guy, you know, connecting us as an audience to Henry's story that she's going to eventually be able to control her teleportation abilities. And I I would think that's one of the the messages we're getting out of, you know, not not only the French guy this week, but, you know, the scenes last week with going back and forth between the subway and you know, that, that big ice flow. So yeah, I, I think certainly we're expected to consider eventually Henry will learn to control it. The the only problem I think is that how is she going right. to need someone to teach her how to do it? And yes, if clearly. so, are these the bad people that the French guy wishes he'd never met? Perhaps he wishes he'd never learned to control it. Although that kind of, well, it, it yep. seems like he wished he never had been given this ability in the first place. You know? Right. Sure. Sure. Exactly. Um, but at this point, it's it's uh, a little late. Yeah. Um, well, I, well I, the thing that I really think of this is not so much. I think it's a foregone conclusion. Of course, Henry's going to learn to control it. Of course, she's not. They're not going to spend now two seasons of her just randomly jumping around. Yes, of course she's going to learn how to control it. Yes, someone's going to have to teach her, obviously. But what this really, I think, indicates to us is that there is this big world out there she doesn't even know about, but that's coming for her. You know, like they don't know about her yet. She doesn't know about it yet. But obviously these two worlds are definitely going to collide. And I'd say probably fairly soon. You know, they can't just keep teasing us with these little you know snippets of the this 
So, so basically, there's this larger conflict that she's a part of. She doesn't even realize it yet. So she's worried about Clay waking up and saying something weird happened in his car and some small-town drug dealer getting mad at her when there are real issues. Like, there's people with guns out there hunting, We, I guess, hunting people who can do what she does. Or there's people who can do what she does who are taking people leaving them on ice flows in Arctic or Antarctic regions uh, to whatever happens to them or are pulling people off of rooftops and letting them drop. So, I mean, there is some really serious stuff out here that is definitely coming her way soon um, that I think is going to kind of put a lot of the things she's experiencing now into perspective. I think that's a reasonable assessment. Um, now, Fred brings up the the scene with Henry and and Mr. Gibson and, and the principal, and and he mentions that you know she's intelligent, but he also thinks she's a little devious. And I guess I don't really agree that she's devious. I, I just feel like she really is not only defending herself but defending towns against this man who just should not be teaching young people. And right. I, I guess I don't see that as devious. I, I just think I see it as a recognition on her part that that's really her only tool in, in this fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would call it devious. I mean, there, there, obviously there's a, a certain, she, because she acts like almost in a, almost innocent manner, you know, like, like a very kind of like clueless mayor, but then her words are like complete opposite, right? Like she just, she totally nails uh doctor. I mean, Mr. Gibson there and like 100%. So yeah, not, not devious. Yeah. Like you said, what, what else does she have? What other power does a kid have over an adult in that situation? And the last thing I just want to bring up from Fred's feedback he mentions the Frenchman and whether or not we're going to see more of him in the next episode. And well, I could tell you Fred, but then we'd have to stop doing the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know the answer, but I'm not going to be able to reveal it. And, and you, you haven't gone ahead, right? You, you've only seen I, the I first two. I, I, I find this a refreshing change of pace. That I love it. You have already watched it. And I haven't, so I'm going to keep it. I'm going to, I'm going to stay. I'm just going to watch them as, as they come. And, uh, you know, and, and, uh, that way I can, I can say things and you can lean back and fold your arms and just say, that's, that's ridiculous. Or "Hmm, that's actually a pretty good idea. Like, so I did that once last week, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? You want to bring up? Uh, nope. Okay. All right. Cool. Fred, thank you. Richard, thank you. Um, and I guess this is a good place to leave this discussion. So that's going to do it for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. I want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Impulse Dark, which uh, is probably about six or seven months away. Anything else going on in genre TV? encourage you as always to join the facebook group share your thoughts with the sci-fi tv rewatch community emails go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via the speak pipe tab which you can access through the website 
We'll be back next week to discuss Impulse Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Treading Water. But until then... So, Dave, there's a couple things I remember about just starting off at, at the school we worked at together. And I remember one of the first things you said to me was you were really impressed I had a Clash sticker on my car. Uh, and then the next, I remember you said to me, I suggest you put more energy into making friends around here. It'll serve you better. <laughs>